Hello, hello. Welcome to Words and Voices, a little sanctuary, a quiet nook where you'll hear hard, raw, and humbling conversations with some of the best humans elevating humanity. This is for the round pegs and square holes, the misfits, oddballs, weirdos, tinkerers, and thinkers who dig a simple philosophy that one word, one message, one idea, and one voice can change the world. So, without further ado, here's our chief mischief maker, Neelam Tawar. Hello, hello. Welcome again to Words and Voices. Today it's just me. We're 10 episodes in, and I always felt that once I'm that far along, I'll stop by and say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I want to share something with you that I haven't shared with anybody. There are just a few people who know about this. And even the people who know about it don't know the extent to which this particular event changed me last year. I almost died in Helsinki last year. And if you're familiar with anything I do, I tell people to think about life in the context of death and not from a fear perspective, from a perspective of what will you do with the moments you're given. So death in itself, like that isn't scary for me. But it was one of those events that happened last year, for the lack of a better word, event, huh? That changed many things that I started doing differently, right? From the way I run my business to how I do certain things, how I show up. Many things change as a result of that. I have had many of those moments in my life where things have changed at the drop of a hat. That day was very different because it was a beautiful, crystal clear blue sky. And the weather was just perfect. It, you know, it's Finland, so it does get cooler there. I always joke that it's fake sun, right? The sun is there for appearances, but you have to wear a light jacket. And and I was meeting a friend of mine for brunch. We decided on time because I had some meetings to finish. And I decided to bike my way to where she was. And essentially, we were going to a small little spot that was run by a family. And I think it was an older couple, if I'm not mistaken. Just think of a wooden cottage of sorts in the middle of the woods somewhere, scenic and gorgeous. I feel like there's literally no picture you can take in Finland that can be off mark. And as I was making my way there, I was feeling so free and finally a little relaxed, if you will. But my head was in chatter mode. I was, I don't know what I was thinking about, but I was just playing certain things out. And we ended up meeting. And then I got back on the bike and she was walking and I was still on the bike, just chilling and whatever. And I have no idea how this transpired, but somehow I landed on a downward gravel filled decline of sorts leading up to the cottage we were going to. And before I knew it, not even before I knew it, I'd made the decision that there was no way I was going to press the brakes on the situation. Otherwise I would skid. I suppose like in the moment you have to make a decision, are you going to, are you going to let go or, or are you going to resist? And I don't mean to sound poetic or profound in what I just said. It was a split decision in choosing what would be a way uh, to get out of the situation with the most minimal amount of damage. And my option was not to hit the brakes because I knew that it would just not be right. And I ended up at the bottom of this slope or hillish area. And I didn't lose consciousness or anything, but my friend came running and she's like, Neela, what was that? What happened? And till date, I'm not sure what it was, <laughs> but I fell face forward and 
as soon as I came to and I got up on my feet, she was looking for injuries, as was I. The most I could tell in that one instant was that my face was impacted with the fall, or rather the crash landing <laughs> that I'd witnessed. And she looked at me and she's like, Neil, literally nothing is torn off you. My clothes were not torn. I didn't have any bruises or any of that, except obviously for my face because it landed on, on a hard surface. If you notice, and if you're watching me in any place at the moment, you'll notice I hardly do a lot of selfies. I'll do them once in a while, of course. But if you look at the left side of my face and if I'm smiling, you will see a little bit of a distortion there. And for anyone who's very well-meaning, I'm not going to a doctor. <laughs> it's not happening. It will heal on its own. But when I landed there, you know, we're just looking for what's the damage that's done. And just my face was a little beat up, like I got into the ring with somebody and then walked out of there kind of at least saying to myself, like, you should have seen the other person. <laughs> the other person was just really solid earth. And the next thing we know is just the people who were in the area in their homes, they heard the crash, if you will. And this gentleman stops and I can see his face to this day. And he's speaking in Finnish. Me and my buddy, she's Aussie. And none of us are understanding what he's saying. And then he moves. He gestures with his finger. He the, the ambulance siren. I'm sorry. And we're like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, we don't need an ambulance. We're good. We're like, now we're okay. So he, and where we land, where I landed was, uh, you can't make this up, but I landed outside a all male sauna. And when he showed up, I have learned in Finland, they do saunas in the nude. They encourage you to do your saunas in the nude. So <laughs> I'll let you imagine that on your own. But he's, he was a very gentle human and uh, well spirited and brought me into this small foyer area and he's like you can wash your face here and he's very very kind and there were some older gentlemen in the in the room as well they thought to cloak up and and come out to just see that everything was okay because they're just very caring uh, people as I was washing my face you know just he looks at me and he says hey it's okay you know you're alive life is great I've had so many surgeries look and he starts showing showing me his ears where he's had piercings and he said you know the swole up and and my friend, she's outside and she's smiling. I'm half smiling because we, we don't know what to make of the situation. It's just so random. Then as we step out, he comes out with us and he again looks me over and he says, it looks like he just again hand gestures to make sure I'm okay. Like he's, he's looking, he's like, there's no injury, no blood, nothing like that. Like I said, just except the, the, the beaten up face with the broken, broken lip, which to be honest, I've never had a broken lip in my life, ever, ever. That was the first. And he said this thing, I'm just going to share this with you for what it's worth. And there was another man with him and he's like, this is my boyfriend. And I was like, great. And we were just laughing again, you know, just in the moment, the sun was upon us and we were both so hungry still. And this gentleman says to me like, hey, uh, this is my boyfriend. And then he points to a lady somewhere in the distance at another one of those wooden homes, if you will. He's like, that's his wife. She doesn't know we're together. And I don't know if he was joking. I don't know if he was just doing that to lighten the mood up. But it was such a kind thing for a stranger to do for you because they know you're in distress and you're still trying to grapple with what, what's happened. From my perspective, it all happened so quickly. And I tend to stay in the space I'm in as much as possible. Like I try not to drift anywhere else. And in that moment, that's all you could do, really. And I just wanted to make sure I was making a good decision because I had to fly the next day. And then fly internationally the day after so 
we proceed to the cottage because <laughs> she looks at me, my friend looks at me like, in her sweet Aussie accent, she's like, you ready for this, mate? Like, you still want food? And I was like, yeah, we got to eat. Like, none of us have eaten. It's almost like 3 p.m. So we go into the spot where everyone obviously recognized us because they knew all the stuff that was happening. And they were so kind and just beautiful, like just very kind people. We had quiches. Uh, we smiled. We laughed. Of course, there's a language barrier because neither of us spoke Finnish. Somewhere in the middle of that meal, I think my body felt the impact of that crash landing, if you will. And I had to get up and I was like, I, I need to step out of here because I, I can't, I'm not feeling air. I can't breathe. And that's probably from just being winded and the impact probably the lungs had as they brushed up against or, or got beat up against my ribs. And I stepped outside just at the steps outside this little quaint lodge. And I'm trying to breathe. All I'm trying to do is breathe. And I put my hands close to my face. And I think I remember a lot of tears. I remember almost feeling like my life is sort of flashing in front of me in the little frame. And my friend was a sweetheart. She she already knew I just needed to be alone for like that, that moment because I needed the air. And she was watching me from the back just to make sure that I was okay. And I sat there still gasping for air. And the frames that showed up for me were my family. And then I thought about the work I was doing. And then I somehow drifted into a moment in my childhood and I also went into a place where I was like, am I doing the right thing, God? Like, am I doing the right thing? And and the word God for me is nature. For me, the word God is, for me, it's been Shiva for a very long time. And But quintessentially, it's, it's nature. And I was just reeling through this carousel of just moments. Even I remember moments where people were not nice to me. I don't know why, <laughs> but I did. And probably more in my corporate life, now that I think of it, it was more about going back into that life I used to live where I wasn't doing the right thing with my life. And I'm still trying to breathe, gasping for air. My, and I think I'm half of that experience was me feeling impacted by the actual fall. And the other half of it was just me wondering why I'm so pressured and pressurizing myself to be in a certain place or state or feeling or emotion. There was a lot of both dualities, sort of like being at one with yourself, but also going into an extremely future state place while keeping an eye on where your past has been and where your journey has been. And I was, I think I was in multi dimensions just in that one moment. And I wasn't watching anything because my face was cupped in my hands and I was still trying to breathe through that a little bit. And when I, I think I'd start as well, <laughs> but that's not very graphic. That's very graphic is what I'm like. And dirt still maybe somewhere lodged on the back of my ears or something like that, I think. But when I just kind of decided to breathe deeper and look for more air to reach my lungs and let my mind do the thing it was doing, the frames it was going into, because really both of us realized, my, my buddy and I both realized, that even just the moment I got up, both of us were like, half an inch here or half a centimeter there, this would not have ended well. We both knew that. So when I was sat down, kind of coming to terms with that visual and that scenario as well, I looked up, wiped my my face with my hands, the water that was streaming down my cheeks. And there was a girl 
standing in front of me, a little girl, maybe eight years old, perhaps, blonde, straight hair, just brushing past her shoulders with bangs that had grown out and she'd got them to the sides of her face. So there was one, I think, behind the ear. It was, it was long enough. They'd grown out. And she had green eyes. And she was standing in front of me, eye level, stretching a purple flower to me. That is an image I will never forget in my entire life. And I don't know what you might make of that. I'm not sure what you will think of it. I've, it was a beautiful moment, unexpected. It was literally like after I was done with my existential review of what had transpired, it felt like there was a message waiting for me. And this girl, so beautiful, so gentle, and she hadn't got much expression on her face. As I recall, because she was just, I think, feeling my pain so immensely. She was like, this girl is in distress. I should help her. I'm bringing her a purple flower. And she was still standing there with her right hand outstretched. And I took the flower from her. And all I could say was, thank you so much. And I looked up at the skies and I was like, thank you. Got the message. <laughs> Got the message. And I know my friend was watching all of this from inside. And she was just, I could hear at one point, she was sniffling. I mean, I was full on crying. I was bawling, as you guys know. But that moment was so precious because even the older couple that was inside the cottage was just quiet. Everyone was just quiet. I could sense it. And she didn't say anything. She didn't even nod her head, that little girl. She didn't nod her head or acknowledge my pain or any of that. She just gave me that flower. And her mom, as I looked further out, like I saw her mom like up that hill, and she was just standing there smiling. And I was just like, you know, just acknowledge her as well. And said thank you from where I was at. And that little girl could not take her eyes off me. And I couldn't take my eyes off her. And it was the sweetest encounter of my life. And probably one of the most profound moments that I might have faced in a very recent time. I like to call her my angel. Because she made me pay attention. It wasn't the fall, really. It was her. And I had this moment where, because before I got on that bike, before I got on to meeting my friends for food, I was carrying a lot of weight on my shoulders for the work I do and the way I think and the, the stuff I put out there in terms of the way I want to help the world, I suppose. It gets heavy, man. <laughs> it gets really, really freaking heavy. And I felt that that moment, I still have the purple flower in one of my books. But that moment was my saving grace, really. She was my moment of grace. No words exchanged, not one. And like I said, she had no expression on her face, just this gentleness, like, I see you. Almost an enlightened state. She was in an enlightened state. I still remember it that way. And she was wearing a pink dress. I think I remember that too. And I just sat there and took in that moment as best as I could. The day was so beautiful. I remember it like it, I'm there right now. I remember that, that lodge. I remember that little cottage. I remember all of it as it was just happening right now. And when I went back in, she came in too to just check on me. And she was just watching me and looking at me. And she just stood there. She didn't touch me, nothing. She just kept looking at me. And I was like, I am so, <laughs> so bloody blessed to be able to experience this. 
And then we went our ways. We went our ways. Uh, when I got back to my lovely little pocket of the sanctuary I was staying in, which is at the edge of Helsinki, sort of like, just think of it as being at the edge of Long Island, the farthest edge you can get, I think, is Montauk, right? If I'm factually incorrect, you can always let me know <laughs> to all my New Yorkers. And this is similar to that where I was. Hannah Holloman was the place, I believe. And the staff there also looked at me and just made sure that, you know, I was okay. We'd already done a little bit of cleanup and antiseptics once we got back from there. So all of that was in the clear. And I had a client call that day, which I took. It was, I think, a four-hour call that I took. and. After I got done with that, I decided that this is not how I'm going to work again. And these are not the people I will work with. Nothing about the client itself, but it was the place that made the change and the shift for me in making the decision on, I'm going to break everything up and I'm going to rebuild this based on Neela, right? Because we, you know, we can always just get so caught up in how things should be and what everyone has. And I've, I've Knock on wood, I've been very fortunate not to get into the whole FOMO thing or wanting to emulate or copy somebody. I've never never had that desire in me since I was a kid. I've just never done that. But that day made that distinct decision, like this distinct choice rather, that like these are not the people I want to work with after that four-hour call. And I also realized that she didn't ask me how I was despite her knowing that I'd gone through it. She could see my face. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't ever want to work with people like this, right? Because I care a lot about the people I work with. And I, I, I know that for a fact. I flew to Zurich the next day and I was wondering if they let me through security because I really did look like a mess. And I did get through security, obviously, through security. And then I came back to Asia, came back to India, actually, in that moment, which is where I'm recording from right now, too. And for me, that part of the trip, because it happened all the way at the end, of my time in Scandinavia, it was the one thing where I was just like, wow, okay, I got you. I'm, I'm listening. I'm paying attention. And I think if anyone identifies with any aspect of this, when you're going down a certain path and you're just on this go mode and you're meant to be looking somewhere else, usually if you're self-aware and connected and have done a little bit of that inner work, I imagine there will be a sign or, or a type of, you know, invisible slap. Mine was, mine looked like a punch. <laughs> mine definitely looked like a punch and that will bring you back into asking those deeper questions and trying your best to align to those questions what you know in the moment because we really can only choose from the consciousness and the evolution we've created or encountered or live in this present moment correct we cannot go from a future state in that Oh, I've already experienced this, therefore I'm going to make that choice right now. It doesn't work like that. You go from your level of consciousness. And I think when you are a little conscious about what you're doing right or wrong, because clearly that stuff was playing at the back of my head before I got on that bike. And clearly I needed to listen. And clearly I needed to have that experience so that I start reevaluating how I do things. And not that I was off the mark or anything like that. I mean, I've been very critical about how I build, create, and do the things I do. However, that, that pocket, those few months were tough. And I was probably getting to that point of where I was like, ah, I should just do. It was almost like I was fitting myself into the mold that I was seeing kind of. A, I wouldn't say fitting wouldn't even be the right word, but really 
just saying, okay, this is, I guess, how it's supposed to be done versus saying, no, I will continue doing what I do and choose differently because that feels right to me. That feels correct to me. That resonates with me. So this was just another one of those, you know, moments where all of that came to the fore and my angel that day just looking me squarely in the face, not angry, not upset, not smiling, nothing, and just saying, yo, we got you, you know, indirectly, it, it felt like a message that was being sent to me. And um, I will never forget it, ever. So the decision was made that day, very gently, of course, and then I changed everything up in my in the way I was doing things, my business and my health and the amount of rest I took, uh, the, the amount of not rushing I did. Goat says, do not hurry, do not sleep, I believe. I think that's what he says. Do not hurry, do not rush, I think. I just felt feel so blessed that I was able to do that. And I just recently wrote about this in one of my, my emails out to my community. And I was talking about how I had realigned my work and Somehow, everything's lined up even with this little conversation I'm having with you. And I said that he, I, I changed everything in the way I did things last year. And when the pandemic hit this year, which has been very tough for many people, it was quite the opposite for people like me who had who'd gone and gotten beat up, I suppose, and redid things at a time that was probably not the right time because it was tougher and difficult to make those choices to pause, stop and reflect and re re-engineer and reconstruct the vision because it was just not right for where we were going. And I did that. It wasn't pleasant, I can tell you that for sure. And yes, of course I'm better for it, but in that moment it wasn't easy. It wasn't gosh, I wouldn't wish that moment upon anybody. I've had my share of the dark nights of the soul i think mine feel like dark months <laughs> filled nights of the soul which are just even that include the day as well but i'm thankful for it i'm thankful for that shake up and that like pay attention to me and pay attention to yourself moment that i experienced last year in finland it changed everything for me and how this podcast came about we'll have a conversation about that another time because there's a bit of a backstory there too And like I said, with this one, even the two or three people who know about this, to some extent, don't really know the full extent of how mortal it could have been. But before I go, I want to leave you with some words that I'm listening to and reflecting on and reading through as well by Sri Nisarga Datta Maharaj from a book called I Am That. And it's a chronicling of an interview with him that goes on for, I want to say, close to five, six hundred pages. But I will leave you with these words. We differ only in the contents of our dreams. You are after perfection in the future. We are intent on finding it in the now. The limited only is perfectible. The unlimited is already perfect. You are perfect, only you don't know it. Learn to know yourself and you will discover wonders. This this next bit gets me a little bit, guys. All you need is already within you. Only you must approach yourself with reverence and love. Self-condemnation and self-distrust are grievous errors. Your constant flight from pain 
and search for pleasure is a sign of love you bear for yourself. All I plead with you is this. Make love of yourself perfect. Deny yourself nothing. Give yourself infinity and eternity and discover that you do not need them. You are beyond. This is from I Am That and the chapter is The Root Cause of Fear and at least on my version of the book, it's on page 395. So that was that story. I hope to be sharing every once in a while something like this with you, maybe from my life or something that resonates with me because remember, this is about words and voices. And I'm always going to try to be in conversation with people that I find admirable and I love their hearts and who are filled with humility. Those are the people you will always hear from when it comes to our conversations. And then I will do my best to embody all of that, of course, when I come to you in these solo pieces where you just have to listen to my voice and my little, you know, <laughs> my few words, whatever is moving through me. But I'm going to try to do this every few episodes if possible. That moment was beautiful. I'm so glad I'm able to finally share it with you. I wasn't ready to talk about it. I didn't want to publicize it. I'm extremely private. People, it's so funny. It's counterintuitive for the work I do because most people just see that she's there. She's sharing. But there are certain things I feel like should not be shared immediately because you don't want to corrupt what's coming out of you. And intention is everything. Why you do what you do and who you do it for and at what point do you do that thing is critical. I know if I would have shared this story right when it happened, it would have meant people messaging for sympathy and this and that. I, I don't to do that. I don't need that kind of attention. You know, never struggled with that or desired that kind of attention. So this feels like the right time to tell you about this. It feels like the correct time. And I'm just thankful I'm able to share it. So if you stayed on to listen to all of this, I thank you. And I want you to know whatever we've got is all here right now. And I hope we all make the most of it. Something I remind myself every day. Sending you a lot of love. Be good. Be kind to yourself. And enjoy every minute of this life you've got. I love you. Thanks so much for stopping by Words and Voices with Neelam Tawar. We can't wait to see you again with another voice and more words from game changers, movers and shakers, and quiet visionaries creating a dent in the world. Oh, and please don't forget to comment and share what resonated with you here or on info at neelamtawar.com. Till we meet next, and as Neelam says, be good to you.